Hey, everybody, this is Chuck Everson from Villanova University, and welcome to the Big East Rewind. The Big East Rewind came about when Sonny Sparrow and I from Syracuse University were on a recruiting trip and became friends, and we've been friends ever since. And we had a bond that has developed over playing in the very tough Big East Conference. The Big East Rewind is all about Big East basketball, old school style with the battles and stories that came about during our time playing in the Big East. From the perspective of the media, coaches, former players, and even officials. So we hope you enjoy the Big East Rewind. On this edition of the Big East Rewind, we have a very special guest with us, John Fanter of the Big East Conference. John is an old school kind of guy. He's an old soul that's very passionate and very enthusiastic about his job in the Big East. He's done everything from play-by-play to the Big East shoot-around behind the scenes. So sit back, relax, and listen to John tell us all about it right here on the Big East Rewind. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to this edition of the Big East Rewind. I'm your host, Chuck Everson, and my co-host is Root Canal Royalty. He could knock down a three and slam dunk a cavity they call him the doc, the sensational Sonny Sparrow, ladies and gentlemen. Sonny, how are you? I'm good. I'm good, Chuck. Uh, John, I hope you appreciate Chuck works on this sometimes for, <laughs> for days, and he, he gets the right syllables. You know, he, he, he was meant to broadcast. I really think so. Hey, listen, Sonny, I tell you right now, it, it took a couple of days to think of that intro. I try to change it every time I'm with you. I try to use different adjectives and throw good stuff in there and you know, I don't think too many people realize that you are really a dentist, and that's why I used all the dental stuff and have been doing that for a lot, a lot of years and are good at what you do. And uh, I think you, people should know that because you're a good, you know, you're really good at what you do. So Root I don't Canal mind promoting royalty. my partner. You know what I mean? So Hey, man, Root Canal Royalty. I'll, I'll, I'll Root roll Canal with that. Royalty. That was, hey, come on. Who says that? Nobody. Nobody. Right. The big man does. That's who says that. So anyway, today is fun. We have a great show today. Yeah. We have Mr. Big East. Now, this is a little bit out of our wheelhouse because normally we're talking about the old, old school Big East. Um, but our guest wasn't around when you and I played. Only got to see us play on YouTube or something. Um, but this guy is all over the Big East. He, he's everything Big East, not only basketball, but he covers everything. He's on the digital team for them for years um, and, and it does stuff for Fox Sports, Fox Sports 1 and Fox Sports 2. Uh, you'll know him if you're any, any kind of fan of the Big East Conference at all. You'll know our guest today, John Fanta. John, thanks for coming on with us today. Appreciate you coming out. Chuck, it's great to be with you. And, and Sonny, great to be with you too. Root Canal Royalty, it's an honor. Uh, yeah, YouTube videos I've watched to you guys, and Jay Wright tells some stories here and there. I, I mean, he, he pulls some stories out of the on the box every now and then. Um, no, it's it's terrific to be with you guys. I know I got some big shoes to fill with the recent guest list uh, and whatnot, some fun stories. But uh, even though I've I've covered the reconfiguration of the Big E since its infancy in 2013-14. You know, you cover the reconfigure league and there's not a day that goes by where you are not looking back at something because there's, there's just, there's history ever since 79 in, in a variety of ways. 
So uh, it's, it's fun to be joining you guys and to look back and look ahead. It, it's amazing um, what the league has accomplished in, in relatively a short period of time, John. I mean, the, especially the basketball portion of the, uh, of the Big East. I mean, th- there's been uh, six or seven national champions and teams that have been in the final fours and it's just been great. And, and in a, in a quick period of time, like when, and during the first five or six years, we had six teams in the final four, we had four or five national champions in that group. I mean, that's, that's something to talk about, you know, for a league that is, was just uh, in its infancy at the time, you know, and it continues today. It continues today and it has never been done again. The three teams in the final four back in 85, yeah, I mean, that, that hasn't been done by another conference. You know, the Pac-12 was threatening this year in unlikely fashion, uh, yeah. but it still hasn't been done. And you can feel, you can feel Dave Gavitt's fingerprints still on the Big East Conference. You don't just do what the Big East did in the in early years of the conference's existence. You don't just simply win national championships, get final four berths without the right leader. You know, and we know how important that is now. When you look around conference, when you look around the state of college sports, leadership is everything for the good and the bad. Yep. And so for Dave Gavitt to have that idea and to now have the conference go back to its basketball roots, and I will say this, the Big East Conference is a good league. Now, Villanova has made it a great league because you have a consistent national championship team in the eyes of the nation heading into every season, or if not every season, around that. Around that. If not a Final Four national title team, a team that could very well be sitting in the Elite Eight or Sweet 16. And so I think to what the conference was Early on, I'm sure there were question askers in the early 80s. How's this going to work? Can they sustain? Will everybody stick with it? Well, not only did they stick with it, they were winning national championships. Yep. Now, in 2013-14, when everything sort of revs back up, restarts, everyone's like, how's this going to work? There's no football money. You know, yeah, they're going back to kind of what they were when they started with basketball like-minded schools. It goes to show what happens when you get people on the same page. When the Big East broke up in 2012, it was clear nobody was on the same page. They've done it right. They've done the reconfiguration right. Um, Perhaps Creighton, Xavier, and Butler aren't the names that the fans of the old Big East are used to, don't carry the same brand value that a Syracuse, a West Virginia might. But I can tell you this much, they carry a similar weight in the finances of making the NCAA tournament mm-hmm. a deep run, different story. Things that are still to be accomplished. Creighton made the Sweet 16 last year. Xavier made one Elite Eight. But I think um, it's interesting when you see kind of the reconfigured Big East and the amount of questions that were asked, could this league last? Would it be okay for certain schools like Villanova uh, and Georgetown? And look at what's happened to Villanova basketball uh, as a result. They've elevated the league. And they have the league sitting at the table of powers. It's very resilient. You know, I mean, like you say, I mean, nobody gave them a chance to, uh, to have this kind of success. And it mirrors what happened back at the beginning of this thing. And it, I think that all dovetails back to Dave Gavitt, uh, Gavitt. 
and uh, and what he uh, the the foundation that he laid all those years ago. I mean, we we talked about it on several shows. He's he's done a great job of bringing people together who maybe uh, didn't get along, uh, coaches in meetings, etc. He did a lot of things that was ahead of his time, John, to uh, to keep everybody moving in the same direction. You know, and uh, I think you know today you look at it, you look at the league today, and you know, it's never been in a better place since then. I mean, really, right? Well, it, it hasn't been. And I think that, Chuck, the fitting thing that I look at is, okay, you're eight years into this reconfigured league. And how interesting is it that this September, September 11th, 2021, that night, that Jay Wright and Val Ackerman, the Big East current commissioner, will yep. both go into the Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame on the same night. That okay. I find pretty cool. And yeah. Al Ackerman had a Hall of Fame career before she took over as commissioner of the Big East Conference. Jay Wright cemented it, though, in this reconfigured Big East. Oh, absolutely. The last five national titles. So I look at the way something's built, and I think now how I would reflect, what are the parallels? What are some of the things? There's nowhere near the drama between the coaches in the, in the reconfigured Big East that we saw back in the 80s where you had that old school kind of rivalries and, hey, they would actually make up because the wives would call each other and they'd have a glass of wine and that's how they would make up. Ed Cooley gets along great with Greg McDermott. Kevin Willard gets along great with Jay Wright. Uh, I heard they closed down the bar at the league meetings uh, behind the scenes. We, we, we'll, we'll just end it at that. But the, the point is you see um, a bond. You see a connectivity. And it almost says to me, you know, Dave Gavitt's up in heaven thinking right now, yeah, this is, this is what I would want it to be. I would want to see like-minded basketball schools who are together in their mission and who are flourishing. And the Big East has been able to flourish in this reconfiguration. It starts with Villanova, but there is true depth in this league where you're talking about five, six, even seven NCAA tournament bids in a normal season. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you. You know, yeah, before we delve into some of the newer stuff, and I know that's that's kind of your thing, John. You're you're the you're the like the shell answer man of of uh, Big East college basketball. Uh, I want to talk to you about about you and where where your roots were from. I know you're a Cleveland kid. You know, I know you're a big Browns fan and Cleveland sports fan. How did you go? How did you develop the bug for broadcasting back when you were a little kid? I know it started when you were a young age. It did. It started when I was a young age, Chuck, and I was, uh, I was five, six years old, and I was watching the Indians in Cleveland. I grew up on the west side of Cleveland, and um, the Indians, uh, I, I can remember Sunday afternoons, they'd be on, you know, I, I, I had every network, but they would be on um, the local affiliate on Sunday afternoons, and I remember being at my grandpa's house, uh, and I would be watching the game and you know Jim Tomey, Kenny Lofton, Robbie Alomar, uh, God the list goes on and Omar Vizquel you know great tribe players through the through the 90s and 2000s those are if you're a baseball general fan you remember those Indians teams how much fun they were to watch well for me as a little kid like I would turn the game down and I'd start calling the games probably pretty annoying after a while from the living room for the rest of my family to listen to but I love doing it. And you grow up in Cleveland, you live, breathe, eat, sleep, die, Browns, Indians, and Cavs. And I got inspired by the voices of the teams in Cleveland 
and said to myself, this is what I want to do. This is my dream job. It is my dream job to be a sportscaster. And I got to, throughout grade school, I did the PA announcements in seventh and eighth grade where I'd give the morning announcements. In high school, I did the same. And uh, I'll tell you guys how I really started doing play-by-play broadcasting. I was a freshman in high school, St. Ignatius High School in Cleveland, and uh, really good football school in Ohio. And I'm sitting um, at home the week after my freshman football season. Let me tell you guys, I was a terrible left guard. I mean, if I was in the game, it was either a holding penalty or the quarterback fearing for his life. You know, I couldn't block for you know what. Uh, and so the week after the freshman football season ended, my dad came home to me because I was just working on homework at four o'clock, five o'clock in the afternoon. He comes home to me, he goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. Just because you're done with football season doesn't mean you can just come home, do your homework and go to bed. I'm like, well, what do you mean? He's like, you need to find a way to make yourself of value. Go find something to do after school every day. So I went to the athletic director at my high school. I said, hey, you know, do you have any, do you have a broadcasting club or anything? He goes, yeah, we just started something. It has four kids in it. Would you be interested? It had four kids when I was a freshman in high school. It had 35 when I left, when I was a senior. And I started out as a cameraman doing camera for junior varsity basketball games. Five games into the season, the play-by-play guy says, I don't want to do this anymore for the JV team. Well, the broadcasting club moderator he looks at me, he goes, can you call the game? And it was because I said yes, because I was a yes man for the camera position, I got placed in the play-by-play role. The same can be said at Seton Hall and the Big East. When they've asked me, I've, I've tried to say yes. And I've, all been, I've really been inspired by growing up a, a Cleveland sports fan and growing up wanting to do this. And I've been very fortunate and lucky to take what I learned in Cleveland – to college where I did my undergrad at Seton Hall University um, and in Little South Orange, um, d- enjoyed the four years and got a lot of opportunities. I wanted to go to the metropolitan area and now I call Hoboken, New Jersey home and the New York area home and I wouldn't have it any other way. That's, that's great. My, my, my wife is from right there um, and her family is Carlos Bakery. So if you're in Hoboken, I'm sure you know that spot. Well, so, I do, and you guys can tell I do. I know Carlos Bakery. I know uh, Augustino's. In fact, I was at Augustino's like two weeks ago, and I'm sitting at the table, and I go, hey, uh, I said to the, the owner, I go, hey, uh, you know, I, I know PJ Carlissimo. He goes, that effing guy. <laughs> you know, it starts telling stories about PJ. Uh, but I love Hoboken. It's it's the land of Sinatra, the land of red sauce. It's it's the best. Great spot. So I do have to tell you, I, at the true confession, my favorite Cleveland Indian, right? <laughs> oh, I just forgot. It's Ricky. Ricky Vaughn. Ricky Vaughn. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was going to say, it's a wild thing. Come on. Yeah, that's it, baby. Uh, um, it's an elite sports movie. Elite sports movie. You have to love Major League. Right. I know you, Bob Euchre, had to be your guy, right? Just a bit outside, right? You got all eight, all 12. <laughs> I can't believe they're laying off these pitches. <laughs> so I had some good friends that spent some time at Seton Hall. One was a assistant a- 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 SID. And actually the, the, the priest at Seton Hall was my uncle, Uncle Jimmy Spira. 
and uh, Bobby Gonzalez was the head coach for a bit, and he's a high school friend of mine too. So talk about your, your time at Seton Hall, because now, like you said, you're in a metropolitan area. You're close to the heartbeat of the, of the Big East. Uh, I know they've had very good connections and success through the Big East office, internships, et cetera, et cetera. So just talk about what Seton Hall did for you in moving you forward towards your goal. Everything. Seton Hall University did everything. Um, and, and, you know, people say, yeah, but you had to work for it. Yeah, but you have to have people who are going to be in your corner. Mm -hmm. And the athletic director at Seton Hall at the time, Pat Lyons, mm -hmm. uh, today it's Brian Fell, who's a good friend of mine. From the start, guys, they were willing to give me opportunities. You know, I wanted to work. Um, and I went to the athletic department. I went to the, the AD, Pat Lyons, and I said, I, you know, I'm trying to get involved in broadcasting. I would love any opportunities. And uh, they started to have me do soccer games, and then soccer turned to, you know, uh, volleyball, and volleyball turned to baseball, softball, and eventually basketball. But, you know, they, they always said yes. I was a student, and they always were willing to give me a chance. And I'm indebted to them for that, you know. And every time I would get an opportunity – you know, to, to cover men's basketball at the Pearl Harbor Invitational in Hawaii, um, to cover uh, women's basketball in Cancun, to go down to Florida, to go to Texas, to go on the NCAA tournament trips. You know, every time they would give me an opportunity, I would say, well, what can I do for you in return? And they say, pay it forward to somebody else who needs it down the road. And that's what I try to do now, you know, talking to kids. I just talked to a group of high school kids today, and I do it because I, I want them to, to feel what I felt when I was their age. You know, so um, it really came down to a couple of things. Number one, I wanted to do the work. Seton Hall has a great radio station, 89.5 FM WSOU. Uh, you've got a good newspaper in the Setonian. You've got pirate television, but they have a, some really good programs on campus. And guys who care, you know, I think about the general, Bob Lee, an ESPN great. And Bob has always answered the phone for me always been receptive of a call, a text, and Bob has always been helpful, always. And uh, I'm thankful for him for that. And I see that resonate throughout Seton Hall University. And the other thing, guys, is call it fate, call it destiny, call it whatever, but I went to Seton Hall from 2013 to 17. And when you are a student reporter – and Seton Hall University wins their first Big East championship since 1993. Yes, I did luck out. Timing is everything in our industry. I ended up getting more eyeballs, more people looking and saying, hey, who is this guy? Who is this kid? You know, he's covering the Big East tournament. Seton Hall wins it. I kind of showed the Big East and other people, hey, this is what I could do in a moment like this. Yeah. And so I ended up, you know, as when Isaiah Whitehead hits that shot, of course, as a Seton Hall student, uh, the, the shot against Villanova, the M1, of course, that goes in, and I'm thinking, this is unbelievable. But it turned out to be pretty unbelievable for my journey and my career because I got a chance to really cover some special stuff while I was in college, sort of showing what could be post-college. So that's how the Seton Hall journey kind of came about. And they helped me get internships at CNBC, at Westwood One Sports, and then at Fox Sports, heading into my senior year, I was an intern at Fox. I, I got to work with Pete Rose, Frank Thomas, um, Dontrell Willis, and Chris Myers, Kevin Burkhart, 
all those guys, Rob Stone and, and doing, doing work with those guys really helped me to see what sports TV is all about. But that all started with Seton Hall and their willingness to open up a door for a kid from Cleveland. That's pretty cool. You know, so how did you make your way from the hall uh, to the big East? How did, how did that path go? Wasn't hard. Um, you know, so the first, my freshman year, again, guys, timing is everything, right? Yeah. My freshman year at Seton Hall was the first year of the reconfigured Big East. And one thing that people I don't think understand is some of the schools were the same. The name was the same. But it's kind of like when you go to that great restaurant that you've always loved. And you hear or read in the paper that they're under some new ownership. And you're like, okay, well, I'm still going to go. And then you walk into the restaurant and you're like, oh, what the hell happened to the menu here? Or wait, these, these mozzarella sticks don't taste the way they were, they were before. You notice it. Guys like us notice it. So for the Big East, they kept the name, but you're going to have a new commissioner. You're going to have new people in, in your office. Uh, Vince Nicastro, former Villanova AD, being one of the, the people now in the Big East office. Yeah. Val Ackerman was really smart with that in kind of reconstructing the way that the conference was going to be run. They brought in people who understood what the Big East was all about from the old league. But for me, I got an email from the director of broadcasting, Rick Gentile. Rick has produced Olympics. He's produced the NFL Today. Um, He's hired some of the greats in our industry. Jim Nance, Michelle Tafoya. Rick has been the man behind it. Rick emailed me late at night uh, when I was a sophomore, the fall of my sophomore year. And he said, hey, uh, you know, I'm Rick Gentile. We've met. We had met before. Uh, We would love to talk to you about a potential role with the Big East Conference, um, you know, or or a potential reporting role. Would you mind meeting with us, you know, in the city? And I'm a 19-year-old kid going into New York City, right into Midtown Manhattan and going up 30, 30 floors on an elevator uh, and meeting with them in a New York City high rise. And I'm just thinking to myself, God, this feels like a dream. You know, it's, it's, I'm walking into the Big East office. I'm 19, 20 years old. These guys are willing to give me an opportunity potentially not to report on men's basketball. The first report I ever did was on cross country. You know, I don't know a thing about cross country, uh, but that's how it started. And, and cross country turned to soccer, soccer turned to volleyball. And eventually it was, Hey, can you be at the men's basketball tournament? Can you be at the women's basketball tournament? And as time went on, when I got to my senior year of college, I was looking at local news stations. You know, I was looking at entry level jobs in broadcasting. And I was wrapping up a lunch at the big East X to kind of thank them for my time as a student working with them. And at the time, my boss, Rick said, Hey, let's sit down and talk. Let's talk about a potential role. And that's how Big E Shoot Around, our show about men's basketball every week, that's how it was born. That impromptu question, within the next two hours, we discussed a role. The role got approved. And um, the role that I have actually goes back to Jay Wright, believe it or not. Jay Wright said, why don't we do our own weekly show? You know, Fox... Fox in the offseason doesn't do much programming. We're not going to get it from another entity. Yep. Why doesn't the conference's network produce its own show? 
that was Jay Wright thinking next level. That's how it all started. Yeah, he, he's done his own stuff for a long time. He was big on that stuff. So John, I, I got to say, you, you got to be just a little bit more upbeat. I, I'm just kind of <laughs> sensing like a, a real, like a real kind of Valium kind of guy, you know. But uh, it's, <laughs> talking to you for the first time, it's infectious and, and I get it. And if, if young people had, and then Chuck and I could say this, of course, because we're old timers, but young people had that capacity to just be there and to do or pay your dues but but do it with enthusiasm right talk about Roly Massimino enthusiastically I, I just it just comes out of your pores and it's so obvious so I, I could imagine that you've impacted in your career a lot of people that surround you or that you come in contact with every day talk about who were some of the role models for you that helped you or foster, I mean, they didn't give that to you, but who fostered that or helped bring that out of you? Because it just comes out in spades. It's awesome. Well, we'll start with family, and that's my grandpa. Uh, yeah. His name's John Coglin. You know, he passed away last May. And I'll share with you guys, uh, you know, something that kind of sums up life, right? So um, when the pandemic hit on March the 12th, 2020, mm-hmm. um, I had this gut feel, you know, this, I don't know where it came from. I believe there's a a greater power up there upstairs. uh, And I know my grandpa's with God now, but he was going, uh, he was in a nursing home and I had not seen him since he was put in there because we were really, it was the end of February, beginning of March when it's, it's that time of year, right. In basketball. So I was thinking in my head, we're going to wrap up basketball and I'll get back to Cleveland and I'll see him for a week or two, kind of stay there right when the hoop season ends. And there we go. But COVID, you know, shuts everything down. And I booked a flight for that night home. I packed my whole bag. I booked a flight. I didn't return to New Jersey in about six months. I was home in Cleveland, Ohio for about six months during the pandemic. Uh, I unfortunately lost both my grandparents during that time, not to COVID, just to old age broken heart scenario but I um I went back home and about a week during through my time when when I got home the nursing home shut down visitation a week later he gets sent to hospice now hospice allowed visitors because we know hospice is end of life but he ended up being in hospice for about two and a half months so I would get done with my zoom meetings and work around you know I'd it was just the workday was so different, right? You'd log on at 9 a.m. You get done with your last Zoom meeting at three or four. There was such a level of unknown during COVID. You know, I was doing interviews and podcasts and stuff, but it wasn't as busy. So I'd get done with that stuff and I'd go straight to the hospice facility. And the first time I saw my grandpa at the hospice facility, the first day he got admitted in there, he looked at me and he said, uh, when are you going back? You know, he would always say, when are you going back to New Jersey when I came home? It's how much he missed me, but he always wanted to know, when are you going back, you know, to work? And when I sat down with him at, at, in late March, he said to me, when are you going back? He's on his hospice bed. And I looked at him and I said, I'll be with you to the finish line. And that for me was poetic in a lot of ways. And it's, it's how life works, right? I hadn't gotten a chance to spend a ton of time with my grandpa, in the last couple of years, 
because of how busy the work was. But it was almost like through COVID, through such a negative, we've heard all about the negative crap. Uh, I took something very positive, and that positive was in a mask, but I got to be next to my grandpa, next to his bed, all the way up until, um, you know, the morning of, of May 19th when he passed away. I was with him until his very last breath. Wow. And that is something I will forever be grateful for. He taught me what love is. He taught me what life is about. He taught me what passion is about. And uh, and so did my grandma. Uh, and that, that all started, they really from an early age, they, you know, they, I can remember them telling me about life and about being good to people, about working your ass off, you know, not taking a playoff. Don't quit. You know, you got to have a no quit mentality. I learned that from them. Um, and so that starts with family. It all, it always does. You know, I'm sure you two would agree. It starts with family beyond family in terms of broadcasters. Um, I can't say enough about, you know, I talked to you about Bob Lee. He's one of the best. Tim Brando has been terrific to me. Timmy does a great job doing Fox College Hoops. Gus Johnson's been very, very good to be around. Every time I see Ian Eagle, and I don't see Ian often, but Ian could not be nicer, could not be better. Uh, I shadowed Kevin Harlan doing Monday Night Football for Westwood One one night, and I can always remember Kevin was so good with his time, so nice, and, and just a great guy to be around. And the list you know, the best of the best guys in our industry are good people for the most part, you know? Um, so I've gotten a chance to learn from some of the best, and I can't say enough about some of those play-by-play -play guys who have been doing it a lot longer than I have, but have taught me a lot about the industry and how it works. Talk yeah. about, John, talk about uh, the, how, how immense and how big the digital industry is, the digital uh, age is in our you know, sports industry now. I mean, everything is done so, through social media or in little chunks and put on. You talked about the, the Big E shoot around. That was all. I saw that more on social media than I did on um, MSG or any of the TV channels that the Big East or Fox or anything. So talk about that. I know you were heavily involved with all the digital stuff, too, right? I am heavily involved with the digital stuff. Uh, we're meeting daily. You know, multiple times a week talking about strategy, talking about what our shows are going to look like. You know, we're, we're really proud um, to be a finalist for four sports video group college awards. Um, our shoot around live from Madison Square Garden show, uh, our Big East tournament coverage, and then our, our just throughout the season coverage is all nominated. And then fingers crossed that we bring home some hardware. But um, I... I would say, Chuck, that it has never been more popular. It grows by the day. It grows by the hour. How do we be a good option for a Big East fan? And we also have the capabilities to look at metrics, to look at viewership. And what we find is we are a second screen option before a game, after a game. In other words, when you're watching your show, when you're watching a game, you're on your couch. How many times are you on your couch and you're doing this? Yeah. More than I can count, right, Sonny? More, more than any of us could count. Much, yeah. Our goal is when you're waiting for the noon Villanova game to start, that if you go to Twitter, you're going to land on us. 
and we're going to be able to give you that Colin Gillespie sit down. We're going to be able to give you that press conference sound from earlier in the week that you couldn't necessarily get uh, on your normal pregame show. Or if there is no pregame show, we are now your pregame show before the game. We're going to help you get ready for the game, you know? Um, and so that's, that's how we have tried to, to structure it a lot on the digital side is how do we be resourceful? You know, the fact is, is that um, there is no daily Big East programming outside of us as an option. Right now, as I talk to you guys, I'm planning for something tomorrow, and we're in late June. Uh, but there's going to be some Big East news, Big East basketball news here this week. You know, it really is a year-round sport, and we try to treat it as such. And the way the digital age has taken off with Twitter, with YouTube, with monetization, you know, it, at first there was no money relating to it. Now we're talking about rights fees, you know, about, hey, there's, there's a, a network that's interested in picking up our games and our programming. Uh, I'm related to men's basketball, but like Olympic sports and our studio programming for, for all sports. Right. These people are interested. That then leads to powers that are making a lot more money than me you know, a Big East board meeting and talking about what's, what's this going to be? What's it going to look like? How's it going to look? I think that streaming and digital 10 years ago was thought of as a nice idea and we'll see if it actually works to now it's a necessity. It's got to be part of your fabric, you know, and as a conference, the Big East wants to brand itself and uh, to be their lead host and lead reporter. I will say this. Um, people sometimes say to me, thank you for your coverage. I appreciate that. Uh, it's, but you know what? It's my job. And I am on the Big East Network like you would watch a Big Ten Network. Big, Big Ten Network happens to be linear. But I get paid to talk about the conference, report on the conference. Uh, if somebody plays poorly, I'm going to tell you that why they didn't play well and here's what needs to change for them going forward. We are supposed to be a source of storytelling, a source of news, a source of uh, – interviews, conversations, features. There's a lot going on. We have a lot of different kind of areas within our effort, but there's no question that the digital age has never been more alive. And it's very, very important from my standpoint and from the people I work with that we are having a front-facing role. And I've been really, really pleased and humbled to see that the things that we strive to do, it would appear that people are watching and people are listening to our content which shows that what you're doing is not just cotton fluff. You know, I didn't take the job to be a fluff piece. We, we want to we give you real stories, real interviews with people around the conference that you couldn't get elsewhere. And so uh, that's what we try to do digitally. And it's been really cool to see that grow from something very little to where it is now, Chuck. And you had a pretty good team with you there for a little while. You worked with uh, Kaylee Griffin and Kim Adams to two women that have uh, gone on to other things. I think Kim now's with the WNBA and Kaylee's with the Rockets, right? Talk yeah, about yeah. them for a second. They did a really good job with you. I have a special bond with both of them, both dear friends. Um, and, and what they've been able to do from a reporter standpoint, Kaylee as a reporter and a host with the Rockets, she is a superstar. I think she's just getting started. She's a Providence Friar, by the way. Yeah, that's what I heard. Yep. Swimmer, yeah. right? Yeah. What's that? He's a swimmer, right? Yeah. And more than anything with Kaylee, she's a great person. You know, she's a great person. And Kim, Kim, I'm very pleased that she is my partner for Fox Sports Big East Women's Basketball coverage. She's the analyst. We have a great time together. Um, when I go to work with Kim, 
it feels like we're continuing a conversation. It doesn't feel like work. We read, it's amazing guys. There, this is, this is the God given talent part of this. I, I, I am literally, when I work a game with Kim Adams, I know when, how she's going to talk, what she's going to say, how she's going to do it and vice versa. We just are, it's like a symphony. You know, you know where you're going on that road. If I decide to take a left, she'll take a left with me. If I decide to take a right, she'll take a right with me. Whatever we talk about from a game standpoint. And, um, and what she's doing with the WNBA now, I'm so happy for her. You know, as an analyst and reporter, Kim has worked for it. She's put in a lot of time. It's another testament, guys. You don't always know when your next break's going to come. You know, you don't. You got to treat the moment for what it is. You know, make the most of your moment, make the most of your time and good things will happen. Um, people say to me, what's your dream job? I, I have dreams, uh, but I'm living one right now. I was going to say. You're, no, I'm, you're I'm, right I'm talking to Chuck Everson and Root Canal Royalty, Sonny, Sonny Sparrow. What? I mean, come on, the dream is right here. You know, I think that Monica is going to stick, Sonny. Yeah, I, I, you know what? I mean, you're right. You can't really top that. You're right. So, <laughs> Now, let me ask you a question. As you uh, going back to the digital component, yeah, because um, because you know UConn back in the big, I, I think you know I think that it has direction and it has a path and it has a vision that was established a long time ago, and they're going down that same road. But let me ask you this: Have you encountered some pushback from some folks regarding digital? Like that says, listen, that you know that's, that's not something we're comfortable with, or we're worried about too much exposure or, you know, talk a little bit about that because that's the, you're, you're going into some new waters that maybe not everybody's familiar with. Yeah. You know what? At first we did Sonny at first. Mm-hmm. Um, but when they start to see the types of content that we put together, mm-hmm. some of the long form storytelling that we do that, that you couldn't see on linear TV. And Oh, by the way, when you have digital, you can go on the air whenever, however long you want. And we don't have to be exclusive to one school over another. You know, we can include a variety of schools. We can include a variety of people that might not get the linear TV coverage that they desire. But I also think this, I've been very fortunate. You guys are talking to me now and we've never had a discussion like to this extent, but I try to be a personable guy. It's just who I am. In fact, I don't try. I just am. And so for me, when you look at Ed Cooley, Laval Jordan, Travis Steele, Kevin Willard, Patrick Ewing, Jay Wright, and the list goes on. One thing that I'm really fortunate of in my role is I have the opportunity to cover coaches who are pretty down to earth individuals, good people, good people. So for me, when I ask for something now, or when I make a request, I've been able to grow the relationships that say, oh yeah, whatever you need, or how can we help? Or, well, we don't like this, but let's do this. You know, let's meet halfway. So at first it was like, what is this? What is this? I, I don't know about this digital. And it's, does this align with what we want? Right. You prove right. it. And we've been able to prove it as time's gone on. And as a result, we've been able to get levels of access that others could not. People might say, yeah, but you're the Big East. You're wearing the Big East hat. Yeah, it doesn't matter, though. Uh, A coach is not going to let people into his program access-wise unless he trusts you. And uh, I've tried to build a great trust with the coaches and players 
covering them honestly, but also doing the best that I can to showcase who they are. Yeah, FUBU, right? For us, by us. I mean, that's, that's how it is. Yeah, that, that's got to that's gotta come true, and it's got to be in your pores, and it has to be genuine. And I, I get why people would have an affinity for you and what you're putting forward, because you're not selling anything. It's not a product for sale. It's a representation of themselves and putting it in a public light. Like you said, that's accessible to all and you've had great success with it. And, you know, and you're right. I mean, here we sit, you sit in Hoboken, I sit in, you know, Binghamton, New York and Chuck's in Long Island. And, and we're talking like we're sitting in the same room, having a, having a drink, you know, whether I'm doing a root canal or not, it's still good, you know? Yeah. So, right. So yeah. I, I, I get it. You know, I, I, I took a long time understanding some of this and I still have no clue, but it's been, it's been a fun journey and I can see where you're headed with this. Talk about when you, cause I don't know if people really got what you just said in the beginning, you started out with cross country, you were doing cross country and then you moved into, you said it was soccer or was it volleyball? What was it? Was soccer. It? Soccer. So you don't have to go, you know, you don't have to get me going on soccer, but you know, those are two sports that are pretty underappreciated in the United States, but that did not deter you from where you went. So what, who follows after you then? Do you have other folks doing that or do you still encompass all of those sports? Cause you do. I encompass most, yeah. um, but I have a, a wonderful colleague named Megan Caffrey who does women's basketball and a variety of Olympic sports as well. Mm -hmm. And then we brought in uh, what they've done is what they did with me. They've brought in some different students who want to get in reporting and broadcasting. And when they're building their tape to go to, you know, your, your local news station out of college, um, they, they've been able to generate reps by going to a Big East institution. So it's been a variety of ways. Uh, it's been a variety of things. I do end up covering a lot of the sports. Uh, I wouldn't have it any other way, though, because I've been able to see the benefits by being versatile and by doing a variety of things. So it's kind of been, it's been funny because look, did I know much about cross country when I entered college? No, but I learned it, talk with coaches, talk with student athletes. I've done track play by play. I never thought I'd be doing that. Um, plenty of soccer, plenty of volleyball, softball had never dealt with. I went to an all boys high school, so I had never dealt with female student athletes. And it's been, it's been great, you know, um, um, I, I really have been able to, to grow a, a palette, if you will, uh, of different reps and different roles. And look, for me, I hate a dead time. You know, uh, it, if I wake up and do absolutely nothing in a day, I'd want to throw something, you know? So I, I love being able to do something every day. And the Big East has allowed me to do that in a variety of sports, not just basketball. You know, you, we talked about it pre-show a little bit, John. Talk about um, you You came out to an event that Jay has for the Villanova basketball alumni called Summer Jam. And um, you were out there shooting, I think, for um, the shoot-around. Uh, yep. I think that's what you, were, what you were taping. And you got to interview Coach Mass. And what I think, and I we discussed this a little while ago off air, but I think that might have been his last uh, ever interview that you did with him. Um, Talk about talk about some of the, the not just Coach Mass, but talk about some of the other uh, characters that you've had uh, the pleasure of interviewing with, and and of course, Coach. Well, Coach Mass is the embodiment of passion. Um, he is Villanova. He is 
Uh, when I think of tradition, I think of his face. I think of his charisma, you know, and how much pride he took at Villanova and in his players. And uh, when I got to talk with him, what really comes to mind, Chuck, not just Summer Jam, but, you know, I'm, I'm standing um, inside the cylinder at the 2016 National Championship game. And I look to my left, and there's Coach Mass crying. Kind of by himself, actually, because everybody was gravitating towards Jay and the team. And I'm with my microphone. I looked at my producer, Brad Zach, at the time, and I said, hey, I go, I'm going to ask Coach Mass if he'll talk with me. I don't know if he'll talk with me, but I'm going to ask. I said, Coach, I said, you know, John Fanta, I'm from the Big East. Uh, would you be willing? And he goes, oh, let's do it. And, uh, you know, it was so emotional. You know, he's in tears. Uh, yeah. He gave me he, – I wanted to start crying because <laughs> the, guy, the guy gets to watch this moment and uh, it was just so magical. It was so magical. Um, and and he, he is magical. And what he said is, you know, he goes, back in 85, no one thought we could do it. And we did it. And tonight, going into it, a lot of people thought North Carolina would be the national champions, but not me. I knew Jay and these guys could do it. And that's, that's who Coach Mass always was. Yeah. And I think that that's what I look at with the Big East. Kind of that Northeast mentality of, Counted out, doubted, drama. Uh, they don't have a chance to grit, toughness, fight. And you know what? We're going to kick you in the teeth and we're going to beat you tonight. Um, and I, I've seen that with personalities around the conference. Some of the others that I've gotten to talk to, John Thompson. I talked to John Thompson about nine months before he passed away. And I'm sitting down in the room to talk to John Thompson for a feature. And John Thompson has his entourage walk him in. And then he walks in and I stand up. I say, coach, you know, uh, what's going on? He goes, who the, who the F are you? I said, oh, I'm, I'm John Fanta. I, uh, you know, I cover the Big East. He goes, I am the Big East. <laughs> so I smiled. He goes, sit down, kid. He said, sit down, son. He goes, sit down, son. He goes, now, who are you again? I go, you know, I'm John Fanta. I cover the Big East. I already told you. You're talking to the Big East. Just like that. Hoya paranoia to the end, baby. He goes, now, what are you going to ask me? He goes, I got a list of questions. He goes, look, let me see. He goes, that'll be fine. That'll be fine. He goes, let's, he goes, let's make sure we get Bayheim in this. Let's make sure we get under his skin. <laughs> and that was John. I mean, that was John all the way to the end. He wouldn't have had it any other way. But you know what? If he, if he BS'd you, if he said, who the F are you? Chances are he liked you. That meant he liked you. Yeah. No, he, he really did. That's who, that's who Big John was. So, you know, uh, I, I got a chance to talk with him. I got a chance to talk with Coach Mass. Um, PJ's always been gracious with his time, and I've loved talking with him, and he is a he is a character. I got to work an ESPN assignment with PJ during the NBA G League Winter Showcase in Las Vegas. PJ was the analyst, and I was the sideline reporter. And in the middle of the broadcast, we start telling stories about Walsh Jim, and uh, it was a blast. It was so much fun. And he's he's just a trip and a half. 
you know, a trip and a half. Uh, so it's been great to talk with a bunch of different characters from around the conference and, uh, and get those guys. And, 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 you know, I, I get to talk Patrick Ewing, you know, I've really built a great friendship with him and I've, I've gotten to get some amazing stories from him that uh, always give me a chuckle or, or, or our theater in their own ways. So it's, it's awfully cool to cover a league with the amount of legends that you have. And you have the ultimate historian in Bill Raftery, who I can always find at a game and get some sort of wild story, even if he only tells it for two minutes. It's like, Raft, how do you have all these different stories? You have a story for everything. Every time I see him, I hear something new. Yeah, well, Georgetown has that has that curtain, right? Has that Hoya paranoia. And we have obviously found that once you have penetrated the ring of vulnerability that you find that deep down, they're just absolute honest to the core, good people. And, you know, it's funny because coach Beheim and coach, coach Thompson, they went at each other. There was a obvious dislike or um, displeasure with each other. But I think as time went on, their um, affection and understanding of each other grew. Um, it probably helped that Coach Thompson wasn't standing on the other sideline. But, you know, I, I remember Coach B and he had the towel over his shoulder in honor of Coach Thompson, you know, recently. And he's not even a part of the Big East. Um, so I, I think that I think you say you sh you have shown it, you know, with talking about meeting John Thompson, some of the players that we've had good fortune of talking to and then developing friendships and relationships with. It's very true. I mean, it's almost like, OK, you got us. You called us. You called our bluff. You know, it was all it was all smoke. I mean, it was all an effort to win games, really, is what it boils down to. Yeah. And in the end, because I remember my, my last talk with Coach um, Thompson was we were going to the final four. I believe it was the 2018 one and he was in trouble getting around, but Lewis Orr was the assistant coach. And I said, I started talking to Lewis and we were in the airport and I said, can I, he goes, yeah, yeah, go talk. I go, so I walk over and I introduce myself to him and he goes like, yeah, yeah, I remember you. You were a pretty good shooter or some, something like that. And, you know, it just broke the ice and it was, and I just had to give him a lot of respect and props because I went from really a, um, a Georgetown hater to a Georgetown appreciator. So uh, I do believe that that's, that's part of the mystique. So, yeah. um, so in, in doing so, you, you've been able to reach out to all these different coaches. Uh, is there any, anyone in particular, any stories or any memories that you can, you can talk of that really sticks out in your mind? I see John Thompson's, uh, Karnaseka, you know, obviously PJ, but talk a little bit about any of those other ones. I know Ed Cooley's a phenomenal guy. I, I've, I've known people who know him very well. So talk about that. This is a little bit outside of the Big East, um, but I actually think it's a little funny. Is when when I talk with Pete Gillen, you know, great he, guy. he's a, oh, Pete is coach is a great guy, great guy, and I laugh at some of his Chris Mack stories. And you know, Chris is now at Louisville, <laughs> but basically he says that Chris, Chris, you know, coach JP Macura, and everybody looks at the new Big East and if they think about villain players, they go with JP Macura. And, and Coach Gillett said, yeah, but Chris is just like JP. He was an asshole on the court, too. You know, so it's very funny hearing <laughs> Pete, hearing Coach Gillen say that about, about Coach Mack. Uh, and I love Chris Mack. Uh, but I think it's very funny how Coach Mack now with JP. And remember, Makura got into it with Mick Cronin yep. a couple years back? Well, sure that, do. 
that's that's a Chris Mack player. And Chris Mack got to the podium and he said, I will never have another coach talk about one of my players like that. It will not be tolerated. It's not how we do things. That's that's that it caused the drama. I loved it. I loved every second of it. Um, you know, that that definitely comes to mind. Uh, I'm trying to think, you know, you know what I thought was really cool. I'm at Marquette covering Marcus Howard as he takes over the Big East all-time scoring title. You know and, who he took that from? You know who how, how cool is it? Huh? In walks Lawrence Moden. Yeah, that's right. In walks Lawrence Moden to be there to present the ball to Marcus Howard. What does that tell you about the Big East? He's the classiest guy you ever want to meet, Lawrence Moden. Yep. And Lawrence comes up to me and is ready to do a 10-minute interview. Yep. And we, we talked live on the air, live on the floor. And he was absolutely spectacular. He was absolutely spectacular interview. That's another story that, like, I get goosebumps thinking to myself, you know, this, this says it all. This says it all about this conference and the camaraderie in it. Uh, you, want a good, you want a good rap story? Sure. Anytime. So, <laughs> so Seton Hall loses a game to Butler. Um, and I did the game on the radio because I fill in when Gary Cohen goes down to Port St. Lucie mm-hmm. for Mets spring training, I fill in, uh, over on Seton Hall radio. And, uh, we talked to coach, we talked to Willard after the game, you know, we wrapped the interview up and Willard's not happy. You know, his team just lost a late lead to Butler and they lost the game. So Willard gets up, his face is, you know, steaming red and raft is, you know, rolling out with his, always roll in with this. If you ever see him come in, come to a game, he's got the briefcase on a roller, you know, and, and he's in his little walk. And so Kevin gets up out of his chair, done with the interview, puts his headphones down and starting to walk to his press conference and Raph's on the roller and Raph looks at him and goes, Kevin, you really effed that one up. Now, only Raph could get away with yeah. that. Only yep. Raph, only Raph could get away with saying that. And, you know, Willard actually smirked a little bit being yeah. like, this, this mother guy is, <laughs> is doing this to me after a narrow loss to Butler. And, you know, Raph just keeps walking. He's off to whatever bar or whatever restaurant he's going to go to after the game. Right. And I'm thinking to myself, the only man on this planet who could get away with doing that is Bill Raftery. You know, it's funny, you just mentioned in that last um, segment, John, about the closeness of the Big East with Lawrence Moton being there um, for Howard breaking the record and stuff. You know, doing this show with uh, with Sonny, we, we've been finding out uh, in very short order, it's, a, it's a, a brotherhood, it's a bond for having gone through the battles in this conference. Doesn't matter what team you played for, we all rooted for each other uh, as long as they weren't playing our team, you know? Yeah. Uh, if you were out of conference, if, if Georgetown was playing, you know, Maryland or somebody, um, we'd all be rooting hard for Georgetown, you know, and the same thing for, you know, any of the teams back then. And it's been, uh, it's been quite the ride um, that we've been on with this. And, and we've learned a lot about that type of thing. So what you said is very, very true. There is a closeness and a bond. Um, with these guys that, that have played with and against you, you know, um, that said, let's, let's just talk a couple, um, a couple of minutes about the current big East and the upcoming season. Um, 
I, I want to, I, I have a question for you about Georgetown. I mean, I, you know, Sonny and I go back and forth because, you know, there's, there's a whole thing between Sonny and I, I'm a big guy. I played in the post. Sonny obviously is a point guard, you know, and he handled the ball and ran the show. All right. So the point guards to me get all the jobs. So I'm rooting real hard for Patrick to do well at Georgetown. Sure. And, and I was texting with him after um, he beat us in the uh, Big East tournament. What do you think, I mean, on that run, they made quite the run. Do you think they had a little bit of a Big East hangover when they got to the tournament? Do you think that's what happened to them in the first round? Oh, yeah, that is what happened to them in the first round. That's absolutely what happened to them. And that when you win, when you have to do what they did, and that was win four games in four days, it's just – it's tough. It's why – it's why Connecticut's run in 2011 might be the greatest college basketball run we've ever seen. Uh, just because they had to win, you know, 11 straight elimination games essentially to win a national championship was absolutely insane. Um, they, Georgetown was hung over from that Big East title. And they were facing a Colorado team that had McKinley Wright, an All-American caliber guard, and a Colorado team that was kind of underappreciated nationally. And they Colorado had seen all week that Georgetown was getting talked about, and I think they gave them an ass-whooping. Yeah, pretty much. For, for Georgetown, for me, Chuck, it's huge to win the Big East Championship. You know, the program needed that moment. They were in great need of that moment. They hadn't been relevant the last couple of seasons. And I found it ironic that the year that UConn comes back, UConn tied with Georgetown with seven Big East tournament championships for the record, and Georgetown wins it to retake the record now with eight. I just thought it was very fitting that the year UConn comes back, it's Georgetown who teaches them what life is like returning to the Big East. It was kind, of, it was poetic to me. For the Hoyas, the key is can they keep roster continuity? They've had transfers. Kudus Wahab transfers from Georgetown to Maryland. Kudus Wahab is a good center. Yeah. They have Dante Harris coming back, who I like a lot. He was the Big East Tournament most outstanding player. He's a good guard, but they lose Javon Blair. They lose Jamarco Pickett. They have a couple of good recruits coming in, Amino Muhammad and Ryan Matumbo. They're recruiting well. They have a good in-game coach in Ewing. They got, a kid, they got a kid coming in from my high school, actually, John. Jordan Riley. It's real, you're Jordan Riley, back. another quality. He plays, he plays way over the rim, way above yeah. the rim. There's no question that this Georgetown – incoming class could keep the program in the right place, but they got to hang on to players. Yeah. You know, this, this transfers chaos crazy. Yeah. Has hit Georgetown harder than anybody. Yeah. In, in the league. Yeah. That's for sure. That's for sure. Yeah. And, and, and then, you know, Villanova has taken advantage of the, um, the extra year Samuels is back. Jermaine's back and Collins back. Um, I was glad to see the two of them come back and, uh, and, and take over the leadership role so they have an opportunity to teach the younger kids. They got a lot of kids coming in. They got a big class uh, coming in. I think there's like five of them coming in. And uh, to learn that system, you need somebody um, that's been through it, you know, to teach to teach the younger kids how the system works. I think that's just going to help uh, the program for this year. It, it should. I mean, Villanova should be a team that the goal is to be in New Orleans in the Final Four. When, yeah. you, when you welcome back a fifth-year senior point guard in this sport, you know, Sonny, you know it, Colin Gillespie is the ultimate game manager and executor. He doesn't make mistakes. He hooks up his teammates 
with high percentage passes for high percentage sacks. So Villanova should be a team that that makes a very deep run. I think they're far and away the best team in the conference. And I think when you look at what they have coming in, um, a really good recruiting class. I mean, we're talking about one of the better recruiting classes in the country. And, and you've got, you know, Jordan Longino, a, a four-star. You've got Angelo Brizzi, another combo guy. Nana and Joku, who I've heard good things about. Yeah. For me, Villanova has the complementary players um, in the backcourt. I get concerned about who they are in the front court because Eric Dixon's going to have a to to take a leap, right? And and I don't know about Villanova down low necessarily, but we do know that Gillespie running the point. Jermaine Samuels is a, I mean, he's an athletic super freak. Yeah. Justin Moore's only Justin Moore's only going to get better, and you bring in Brizzy and Longino. Um, and the other guys they have. Yeah, Trey uh, Patterson, right? Trey Patterson as well. If, if this freshman class is even half of what people expect, I, I would only think that a freshman class is going to get enhanced when you're able to work with guys like Colin Gillespie and Jermaine Sanders. That really helps the learning curve. Mm-hmm. And well, culture, I would say this, John. I, you know, I think, you know, that's a great place to wrap it up for tonight. I, I Really appreciate you coming on. Uh, I have to say, you know, and Sonny said it earlier, I, I have to echo his thoughts. I mean, Sonny and I are going to look back on this, you know, and from now and say we got to interview John Fanta when, you know. The, your, your passion and your enthusiasm are second to none, and it's something that's lacking in, in guys your age, uh, your age group kind of, kind of kids. You're kind of a, an old-school throwback. And that's why we had you on here today with us, the two old school guys. So thank you very, very much for coming on and uh, being so gracious with your time. Hey, cheers to you guys. Cheers to this podcast. Call me the old soul. I got the glass of white wine. Cheers. A pleasure to be with you guys. Jeff. Before, before I came on, I had some farfalle and yeah. meatballs and red sauce. I'm going to close it out with a glass of white for you two. There you go. Keep on listening. Anytime you guys want to talk Big East basketball, I would love to join the Rewind because it is some fun, fun stuff. John, you are the human tornado, man. You are just a <laughs> tornado. I loved it. I loved every second of it. Thank you, Sonny. Well, thanks, Thank you. guys. You've been listening to the Big East Rewind with Sonny Sparrow and Chuck Everson. The Big East Rewind is produced and directed by Daryl Gurney and Nick Chico Chorus. You can check us out on YouTube. Don't forget to hit subscribe and to like. And you can get a hold of Sonny and I or anybody with the Big East Rewind through BigEastRewind at gmail.com. We accept uh, any and all criticisms and uh, constructive criticism and anything that you may want, any, anything anybody that you'd like to see on the show, you know, ask the questions. We do answer the emails and we have made changes uh, to certain things as we've gone forward with the show. So Thanks again for another great show. Have a great evening. Take care. Peace out.